Welcome to Spirit in Action. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and each week we bring you visits and conversations with people doing healing work for this world, hearing what they're doing and what inspires them and supports them in doing it. Welcome to Spirit in Action. We've got delight and also depth for you today for Spirit in Action. Too few people know much at all about Jane Addams, the founder of Hull House in Chicago and the recipient of the 1931 Nobel Peace Prize. Jane Addams was an amazing mover, shaker, and pathway forward finder. We've got a fun and deeply human way for you to learn about her work via a new musical play crafted by the wonderful musician Kristen Lems. I had Kristen on my Song of the Soul program a few years back, and one of her interim projects has been to write this musical play where we learn about Jane Addams, but also about Kristen's predecessors who were formed by their contact with Jane and Hull House. The play is called St. Jane and the Wicked Wicks, and it's a moving, fun, inspirational, and educational saga of privilege and poverty, limitations and freedom, and open hearts in the face of societal disapproval. We'll be sharing with you some of the music and dialogue from a top-notch voice performance of the play as part of this show. Kristen Lems is a delightful and talented musician and writer, so there's no way that we'll be able to fit this interview and these portions from the play in just 55 minutes. So look on northernspiritradio.org for the full, uncut program and for the bonus excerpts we'll have to excise to fit the broadcast limit. We're joining Kristen Lems on Zoom near Chicago, Illinois, to talk about St. Jane and the Wicked Wicks. Kristen, I'm so happy to welcome you back to Northern Spirit Radio, this time for Spirit in Action. Thank you so much. I'm so pleased to be here and to be part of this series. Thank you, Mark. And it's been over three years since I interviewed you for Song of the Soul. Of course, the pandemic has intervened in those times. How's your music career been doing? Is that what freed you up to do St. Jane and the Wicked Wicks? In a way, yes, it did. I won't say it was a blessing in disguise, but it made me think differently about what I could do. Just to clarify to everybody, this recording of my online musical does not include me. I am the playwright and the composer, the lyricist, but I am not a performer in the show. So it's really fun to write songs and have them performed by others, professional theater people. I would also think that'd be a little bit hard on the ego. I mean, when you write a song, can you imagine writing a song in your beautiful repertoire, all this stuff from No Turning Back, How Nice... The first five minutes of life, all these things you shared when you did Song of the Soul with us, and then saying, no, you don't get to perform it. That would be wrong. (laughs) (laughs) There's only a moment of that, but what helps me get over it is that I want to write for men, too. And I want to write for voice ranges that I don't have. So I'm okay with it. But, you know, at the show that I did two nights ago, I did do two songs from this musical, sang them myself. Oh, that must have been fun. I'll hang on to a couple of them and still perform them. But let's start with Kristen Lems and why you're connected to this. Because amazingly enough, you do have a real connection, a blood connection to the whole setup. Yes, amazingly. I mean, you'd think every story about Jane Addams to be told has been told by now. But no, this is a new, true story about Jane Addams that is connected to my own family. 
my mother's family, my mother's mother's mother lived across the street from Hull House at the time that it opened in 1890. It opened in 1889 in the fall. And she met Jane Addams in March of 1890. And it began a long-term relationship, a 30-year-long friendship that ended only when Jane Addams died. So I've taken 15 years from that time period, which has been confirmed with any number of primary sources from my great-grandmother's own handwritten memoir, my grandmother's memoir of that time, and my great-aunt's memoir, all talking about their knowledge of Jane Addams, their relationship with Hull House. And I've also got, I should have brought it in here to the room, I've got a signed photograph that Jane Addams gave to my great-grandmother, Nellie Wicks, that was passed on to me. When Nellie died, it went to my grandmother. My grandmother, when she died, it went to my mother. And when my mother passed away, it, it went to me. So it's really just a direct connection to that period of time and to that relationship. I think most people have heard, at least, of Jane Addams, although I don't think she gets the prominence that she really deserves. People generally will remember Susan B. Anthony, and Susan B. Anthony is uh, contemporary, overlapping, certainly, with Jane Addams. Right. So there's a few women's names in history that we capture, but of course, women's history is neglected in the same way black history has been. As we're doing this interview on Zoom, we have a picture behind you, uh, you know, St. James and the Wicked Wicks, a musical play by Kristen Lems. Could you just point to the pictures and tell me what I'm seeing there? What's on the side with all those kids there? That is a photograph from the Mary Crane Day Nursery, which was opened in the 1890s for basically children of working mothers, abandoned mothers. And my grandmother was one of those children. So that's a very significant look at these children. I mean, there's little toys there. They look kind of woebegone, but it was a warm place that fed them and took care of them. And it was very, very visionary because there was no such thing as a day nursery in that time. The, the Hull House women made it up. The fourth photo there on the right is of somebody who was in the show off scene, which was Mary Smith, the partner of Jane Addams for 35 years. Mary Rose Smith or Rosette Smith was another one of these well-educated women coming out of the Victorian era saying, we want to do more with our lives than just uh, become college educated and then be somebody's wife. Mary Rose Smith got entranced by Hull House very early music classes there and soon became kind of a donor to Hull House and Jane Addams' partner. They had what you called at the time a Boston marriage. They never married, but they were inseparable companions. These are all important themes in the show, but I hope the show is not too didactic and is highly entertaining. Well, let's get right into it. Of course, people can watch it. There is a YouTube reading. They're not watching the physical acting out of the play, but they have some wonderful characters and singers that are performing. You can find it via YouTube. I have that link on northernspiritradio.org. You can find it also by going to stjaneplay.com, St. Jane being Jane Adams. So we have those links, but we're going to start out by giving people a glimpse of the play, or it's a musical play. It's not a musical. Tell me the difference. It's not just a play with songs. So it is a play whose songs advance the plot to some extent. 
but nevertheless, you could understand the plot without the songs. You just wouldn't get as much out of it. So I'm calling it a musical. I'm calling it a musical play. And I think someday when it's done on a stage, it's going to have tremendous choreography and, you know, great blocking and so on. But just to segue into this first clip that you're going to play, I wrote this very first song when my mother told me about the fact that Nellie, whose life was really miserable, just hellish, the one thing she loved was flowers, because flowers was one way that nature could give you beauty free of charge. There was one photograph of her where she was bringing an apron full of flowers to her grandmother. She was raised for about eight or nine years by her grandmother in upstate New York, because Addie, Nellie's mother, had run away with a carny, a carnival barker, and her grandmother went and fetched Nellie and took her back to New York because she saw that she was having a miserable life. So for this nine years of her life, Nellie lived in comfort with this loving grandmother in a garden with lots of flowers. And she would bring these flowers to her grandmother in her apron. So that's the first song where Nellie talks about the only happiness in her life, which was an apron full of flowers. And then it segues right into the first scene the night that Nellie met the three women of Hull House, Jane and Julia and Ellen Gates Starr. So we're playing the whole scene there and their determination to go across the street and save Nellie's mother from being beaten to death by her drunken father when she was trying to give birth. So you'll hear the whole scene, and this is all true, based on a true story. We know the date that this happened. It was in March 1890. Here it is, and this is, again, from St. Jane and the Wicked Wicks. we got first scene here, including two songs. Don't have many memories I want to bring back. I've made quite a mess of my life. Cherish for hours their elegant 
don't believe in heaven, but I do believe in hell. But hell doesn't start when you die. It's here and it's now, and I just don't know how to escape. Jesus knows how I try. Just one bright memory can comfort me now from the time when my life had a plan. An apron full of flowers in the garden for hours, picked with joy to give to my gram. An apron full of flowers in the garden for hours, picked with joy to give to that be? Ellen, could you pull aside the curtain and see who it is? Oh, Jane, there's a girl standing at the door, alone. 10.30? What could she want? We are probably the only ones with lamps burning at this hour. Just like our seminary days, Ellen. <laughs> yes, young lady? Come in. Thank you, ma'am. I saw your light. It's my mother. Her time has come. She's having a baby, and he is beating her. He's got the snakes. Who's that? My pa. He's out of his head from drink. Can you send some men over to stop him? Here, dear, put on this shawl. March nights in Chicago are cold. Thank you, ma'am. You say your father is beating your mother? Where are they? Across the street. We're above the candy store, 801 Holstead. And your mother is in labor. Is anyone... What did you say your name was, dear? I'm Nellie. Nellie Wicks. Nellie, is anyone with your mother now? Just Pa. My brothers are out picking up wood. Pa was kicking and punching her, and he started after me. Can you get your brothers to stop him? They might be anywhere. Besides, George, he's a bookworm, and he's no good for fighting. And Jean's too short to put up fists against that raging beast. Then we must call the police. Last time they came, he popped the buttons off a copper's coat. They couldn't get back in the paddy wagon fast enough. Oh, dear. If your mother is giving birth, we must also fetch a doctor. He doesn't like doctors, either. But we are not ready to deliver a baby. Nellie, here, take this money, find a cab, and tell him to bring a doctor from Lying In Hospital. This is a dollar. Yes, it will cover two trips, to go to Lying In and find the doctor and bring the doctor back here, and it's late at night. Oh, thank you, Miss... Miss, uh... I'm Jane Adams. And I'm Ellen Starr, Nellie. Thank you, Miss Adams, and Miss Starr. How are we going to hold back a raging beast and deliver a baby at the same time? Julia! I heard the commotion from the library. A raging beast? A baby? I almost forgot you were working here. You work too hard, Julia. You would certainly know about that. We have a spinning wheel demonstration in the morning. Our volunteers need instructions. To the point, Julia, 
A girl from across the street came begging for help. Her father is beating her mother, who is in labor. Jane sent her to find a cab to get a doctor. Have you called the police? I'll go and do that now. I called them only yesterday about a fracas on Blue Island. Imagine two grown men throwing fists over a wheelbarrow. How often the poor seem greedy when they're only needy. How did it end up? I found the men a second wheelbarrow, and it was resolved before they even arrived. I had to convince them not to arrest the men, who desperately needed it to move some bricks, and neither spoke the other's language. Good diplomacy. But, Julia, what will we do if this woman has the baby before the doctor arrives? We'll simply yank the baby out, cut the cord, and give it a few slaps. Farm women deliver babies every day in Cedarville. But we're not farm women. We can do it. Don't you know that common sense can rise to the occasion? We can do it. Can we do it? Often being well prepared can be the best persuasion. We can do it. Can we do it? Gather scissors, soap, and towel, some iodine and rags. Don't forget the basin, pack them quickly in these bags. We can do it. We will do it. The police are familiar with 801 Halstead and are coming with a paddy wagon and four officers. They asked if it concerned a wheelbarrow. Ha! <laughs> I called them about those bricklayers I told you about. We worked it out before they got there. But that was yesterday. Yes, this is a new day, or rather new night. Jane, we're gathering supplies in case we need to be midwives. Oh, good idea. For all we know, the room might be completely empty. Where's the girl? Hmm. She's supposed to be sending the cab. Let me check outside. Could the girl's father be that awful red-faced man? The one who swaggers down the middle of Halstead, swinging his axe as the children scatter in terror? Must be the one. How will we manage him until the police arrive? Maybe Jane will know a way. She could talk an arrow back into its quiver. It just makes me quiver. At least there are three of us and the girl. Nellie didn't know how to get a cab. I flagged one and sent it to the hospital. She's waiting for us by their stairs. Let's go. Couldn't we wait for the police? Every minute counts. When life offers danger, we must meet it with courage. Can courage ward off a raging beast? Certainly. Courage and stern words. But how can we protect ourselves? How about wielding these umbrellas? We can serve our neighborhood with courage and with passion. We can do it. We can do it. Elevate the culture and make social work a fashion. We can do it. We can do it. Let's push up our sleeves and we'll somehow find a way. Brandish our umbrellas holding obstacles at bay. We can do it. We will do it. We can do it. We will do it. Three musketeers. Undo.
guard, Umbrella Warriors! A la guerre! Yes, folks, we can do it. We can do it with Kristen Lems here and St. Jane and the Wicked Wicks. This is the musical play that Kristen Lems has actually prepared for us. It's working its way into the world right now. You just heard the first scene out of the play. It's about two hours long, and you can watch the full thing via YouTube link. Now, this is not watching a play with actors in it. There's pictures on the screen for each of the scenes, so you'll get some flavor and some understanding. A lot of historical photos. So you can see what the streets looked like, what Hull House's living room looked like at the time. And Jane Addams and Hull House was just one point of help in the world, and there weren't a whole lot of others. Very few. Jane's band of lively women was trying to set up all these organizations. None of them existed. There was nothing about child labor, no protection for laborers, no protection for the elderly. I mean, all kinds of organizations did not exist at the time. No immigrant welfare league, nothing. And so these women were just forming all kinds of organizations, many of which still exist today. So they were a beacon of hope in a very lonely landscape. I do want to talk a little bit about Jane Addams' family coming up. I get the idea that her mother was not an unreserved supporter. That's double or triple negatives there. But her mother had the doubts. That was her stepmother. Her stepmother. Her mother would have been with the program? Certainly. Her mother died when she was two. And her father remarried. And this new stepmother was to the manor born social climber, conservative, and very, very unsupportive of Jane. It was very disappointing. And were they also Quaker? Was the father, was her mother, was her stepmother Quaker? I don't think so. I'm almost sure she wasn't. I know the rest of the family was Quaker. Maybe Presbyterian or something, but she was very much of a social climber. And Jane was, she had to keep up a good front, but it was obviously heartbreaking to miss her mother. Also, one of her sisters died, who was a big supporter of hers. And she was stuck with this very cold, fashion conscious stepmother who just wanted her to marry and get the heck out of social reform. And one thing we should be aware of, her father, he was a prosperous miller. Yes. Amongst other things, he was an Illinois state senator. So she's coming from on the edge of success or influence. She's not raised on the streets like Nellie was, right? Not at all. She's had a proper upbringing, and she's stepping out. Yeah. I mean, in a way, the brave thing that Jane did was choose to live in the ghetto. She moved into the ghetto. She had been in the wide open spaces in the Rock Island area. She came from Cedarville, beautiful town. But her big move, her revolutionary move was to move to the ghetto, to live there. And Ellen Gates Starr and she obtained this house, the Hull Mansion. And then they turned it into this wonderful settlement house, the first in the United States. So Nellie, the person we've already been introduced to, her mother, who would be your great-great-grandmother, yeah. she's not well portrayed, nicely portrayed in this at all. She's, she's bad news. She's not a nice person. And in Nellie's own handwritten autobiography, she wrote, she never shed one tear when her mother died because her mother was so cruel to her. And really, to put it in the vernacular, but kind of pimped her, actually. <laughs> right. You should marry my boss because he'll set me up nice. I'll, I'll make out on it. 
really pretty horrible and let her husband just beat them all the children to the point of impairing them so she had a hard hard life Nellie wicks did and again this is your great-grandmother why don't we listen to a bit uh, from the play about that which scene are we talking about here well, this is the same night that Jane Adams runs across the street and helps save Nellie's mother from being beaten to death during childbirth. Once a doctor comes, Nellie comes back to Jane's house and spends the night on a cot in her bedroom. This is a true story. And I don't know any of the details of that night. And I tried to imagine what kind of dialogue they might have had. And I imagine that Nellie would have sung this song to Jane Adams to explain to her how she got to her miserable circumstances called Straight to Hell in Chicago. Say, Miss Adams, is that a clothesline above your bed? I see scraps of paper hanging from it instead of clothes. Yes, it is. When I get ideas, and I get them a lot, Nellie, I jot them down and pin them up there until I have a chance to think more about them. A paper clothesline? That's funny. <laughs> Can I take one down? Of course. Can I read it? Of course, Nellie. It says, I seek to live in a really living world and refuse to be content with a shadowy reflection of it. How does that sound to you? I like it. Graham and I used to talk like that a lot. She was teaching me how to live in fine society. But I never talk about those things no more. I mean, anymore. You see, Miss Adams. I am forgetting how to talk. My Graham said I spoke like an angel I had pretty things to say that nobody would mock But now I've gone straight to hell in Chicago You don't need lots of words to get yourself across Fancy talk won't get you very far You gotta learn to cuss or even throw a punch if you walk home from work past a bar I am forgetting how to walk toes pointed straight a book on my head a couple of years more I could have made the ladies balk but now I've gone straight to hell in Chicago can't walk like a lady in an alley full of rats or when the bottom of my shoe falls apart if Graham is looking down I'm sure she's got a frown I kick in with my skirts up like a tart Bravo, Nellie. What wonderful singing and dancing. For Nellie Wicks, it was not fun going straight to hell in Chicago. Kristen Lems wrote the song and the play. The play is called St. Jane. That's Jane Adams, folks. St. Jane and the Wicked Wicks. There is a link to the whole play. You can find it on YouTube, but if you can go via St. Jane Play. 
com that Kristen Lems has a lot of background information there. Hopefully, very soon, this will be a full production stage play. Besides the personal connection that you have to it, Kristen, why is this play important for people now? Isn't this moldering old history? This is more than 100 years ago. doesn't matter. We're liberated now. The thing that I love about Jane Addams and the reason that I try to keep her in mind all the time, I kind of like inhabit Jane Addams, is that she just said, we could do it. We will find a way. We will find a path. And that energy and that enthusiasm was so widespread. There were so many areas in which she had a huge impact on American society. I wish all of us could do that, that we we don't get into a silo and just say, I can do this and nothing more. And if this doesn't work, I won't do anything. We have to think of ourselves as eclectic beings that can have some kind of positive influence on society in many areas. It just doesn't have to be your little bailiwick. It can be areas in which you're not an expert. You can just say, I'm going to apply my intelligence to this and see if I can make a difference. That's what Jane did. And who do you think in today's world is comparable in terms of vision, energy, direction to Jane Addams? In the last 20, 30 years, I don't care how far back we go, but I think it's really hard to recognize the prophets when you're in their midst. I think MLK, Martin Luther King Jr., he was denigrated really badly during his life, put down by whites and blacks alike. He stayed to his course, he enlarged his vision, and he made great changes for the world. And now there's streets all over, monuments, there's a, a national holiday for him. And people are saying, hooray, MLK, who back in the 1950s and 60s would have said, throw the bum in jail. Yeah, I think MLK is the embodiment of Jane Addams in so many ways, because not only what you're saying about touching many areas and being reviled and then later on being recognized, he also stepped outside the stereotype people had put him in. You're supposed to do this, but you're not supposed to do this. So, you know, he was killed demonstrating for the garbage workers. He was in favor of fighting poverty. He also came out in the very famous speech a year before his death against the Vietnam War. He didn't just stay in some nice little pedestal place where, okay, your work is done. He just kept moving it forward. And he talked about the three dangers of the war machine and poverty, imperialism. And he refused to just have the lid put on him and say, you've done this and nothing more. And Jane Addams came out against World War One. She tried to prevent the war. There was something called a peace ship where she and others went over to gather together the mothers of Germans and Brits to talk about trying to find a way to prevent the war. But they did not prevent the war. And because the pro-war sentiment, the whole propaganda machinery got so completely dominant, Jane's reputation was completely destroyed during those years because it's like, She'd done good things, but that's going too far coming out against a war. And so it wasn't until 1931 that she was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize. And everyone said, I've read all about this, that she was ready and, and expected to be the next Nobel Peace Prize awardee 15 years earlier. But the pro-war fever just set it all back by a great deal. And even in 1931, almost as some kind of trying to add insult to injury, she co-won the award. It was with some other nobody who hadn't done much. They didn't even want to give it to her outright in 1931. 
That's horrible. But folks, we are speaking with Kristen Lems today. I've had her on Northern Spirit Radio before on our Song of the Soul program. She's here today for Spirit in Action, talking about her musical play that she's written and which we're listening to segments of in this program. It's about Jane Addams in Hull House and about Kristen Lems' great-grandmother, Nellie Wicks, and it's called St. Jane and the Wicked Wicks. We'll have a link to saintjaneplay.com on Northern Spirit Radio, as well as to the YouTube full reading performance of the play. All of this, again, on northernspiritradio.org. Northern Spirit Radio has been going since 2005. We've had many, many hundreds of musicians and activists on our shows. And you can find links to the 42-plus stations that carry our program via northernspiritradio.org. Please comment on our website when you come and when you listen. Please do that. You can hear us on the radio. You can hear us via all of the podcast areas where you get programs and directly from our website. It's wonderful. It's so rich. It's just amazing. I'm going to find a radio station in Chicago to carry you. It's got to be. <laughs> Thank you. And all you listeners out there, too, say, I've heard him online. How about in my local community radio stations? Community radio stations are so valuable, so wonderful, so important, because that which bubbles up from local people needs to be heard, not just the one-size-fits-all corporate umbrella that a lot of people would like to have us under. Support your local community radio station. And if you help us extend Northern Spirit Radio out that way, so much better. We do this full-time work because it's important to change the world. We can only do it with your support. Bravo. And please help out Kristen Lems. We want to get together this energy to have St. James and the Wicked Wicks performed. I don't know if it's Broadway material. I mean, I'm not sure Broadway's ready for this kind of cutting-edge stuff yet. I'll take off Broadway. Off-Broadway would be perfectly good. There must be someone you know, some connection. It's such valuable information. And my hope when I share this kind of thing with the world is people say, historically, that person did it. Oh, MLK did it here. Oh, maybe Greta Thunberg is the person who can do it here locally. Maybe she's what this kind of change looks like in our day and age. We each are part of that big picture puzzle that transforms the world. So this play is about you. All our listeners, it's about how you transform the world. Sometimes we're St. Jane and sometimes we're Nellie Wicks. You got it. That's it. (laughs) And I think part of the big story here is Jane Addams is doing what we, at least in this age, think of as very noble, displaying a lot of foresight. She's got empathy much wider than a lot of people have. But she was transgressing all of the lines Maybe not all of them, but to have a a female partner in that day and age, whoa. Yeah. I remember reading somewhere also, she she declared toward the end of her life that she'd never worn a corset. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that rebel. Yeah. In those days, the corset was de rigueur. You were expected to wear a corset if you were a lady. So, I mean, she just, yeah, she broke all the corset stays (laughs) and affianced herself to this remarkable Mary Rosé Smith, who was a musician. You know, it's just, a, it was a beautiful relationship. And, you know, whether she was uh, had the term lesbian or not, but the term wasn't even used at the time. It doesn't matter what we classify her to be. The important thing is that they lived the dream together. Mary made Jane stronger and Jane gave Mary purpose. And so together they accomplished great things. Many biographers hint that Jane could not have accomplished all she did had it not been for Mary. Not just Mary's companionship, but the support of Mary's parents. 
that they were very loving toward Jane. So it was like an adopted family for her. Beautiful. It's so sad to think of the people who spent so much of their lives fighting against those kind of stupid presumptions in society, the things that keep us from true fulfillment. And again, she's a pioneer. One of the things I was thinking about was she grows up in the era of the Women's Christian Temperance Union. Yeah which we kind of laugh at these days, especially since prohibition failed so miserably. But the Women's Christian Temperance Union was women saying, hey, we don't want to have drunk husbands. We don't want to be battered by our husbands. And you portray that in this play too, right? Yeah. People are dealing with that kind of thing. So I think in some ways, the Women's Christian Temperance Union was part of women stepping forward a bit, at least. Oh, definitely, definitely. It was a woman-directed movement that was, you know, <laughs> there's a museum in my hometown here, Evanston, Illinois, that was the headquarters of the Women's Christian Temperance Union. So Evanston, my town, was dry for years and years and years, <laughs> way longer than other towns, because it was centered here. So, yeah, I mean, my grandmother and grandfather were both teetotalers. They would never touch a drop of alcohol in their whole lives because my grandmother's father was a far gone alcoholic and my grandfather's father was as well. So they came to a moral decision. They'd never touch alcohol because they felt it was truly the demon drink and that it was going to bring out some nightmarish addiction that they had. And who could fault them for that? Who could say they should have had a drink at New Year's? No, they were adamant about it. There was They never touched a drop of alcohol. And when my mother had her first drink, she felt so sinful and so guilty. <laughs> <laughs> It was just their lived experience. Well, and I'm a teetotaler myself. I wouldn't say it's necessarily for religious reasons exactly, maybe spiritual reasons to it, but it's because I come from an alcoholic family and my mom died drunk driving when I was nine. And my father the same night had his own drunk driving accident completely separate from my mom. And yet I'm the only one out of the 12 kids in our family who's taken this particular route. And I'm, it's not like I shame anyone else. Actually, I have a principle though. I have made sure that I've had a glass of wine here or there, specifically so that I'm not an absolutist who defiles the person who doesn't tow to my line. Yeah, very good. I stand at that exact same place. I drink three glasses of wine a year. You can ask my whole family about it at New Year's, on my birthday, and then I have one third one that I can use as I wish. And that's it. <laughs> <laughs> but I agree. I mean, if you get too hardcore, people are going to think that you're out of touch. You don't have any empathy for what it feels like to take a drink. But I'm sure that I'd be a real outcast if I lived in Europe, where my father was from, where everybody drinks to keep warm all the time, and you know, that kind of thing. Though my father always said that when he'd have a drink, it would put him to sleep immediately. <laughs> 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 Let's listen to another clip or two from St. Jane and the Wicked Wicks. You want to get another glimpse of the play? Again, folks, you can listen to the full thing online. Maybe get some sense of what things were like back then, and also some of the musical mastery, of course, that Kristen Lems brings to her playwriting. Thank you so much. And this is the song Hull House Rag. And if you listen carefully, this is a group number. The whole company sings on this. And it represents all the different voices of people that made use of Hull House. And it gives you some idea of the incredible range of activities that were possible in Hull House. And if you listen carefully, you're going to hear the child voice of Benny Goodman, 
who was a contemporary of my grandparents and who got his start at Hull House when he had a donated clarinet, I believe donated by his rabbi. And he started learning to play the clarinet at Hull House. And that led into his whole career in playing Dixieland and so forth and being one of the country's most beloved musicians. So you can listen for Benny Goodman's line among many other lines. So it's a song, folks, The Hull House Rag, written by Kristen Lems, the website you want to track this stuff down from, stjaneplay.com. It's on nordenspiritradio.org. Here's The Hull House Rag. Get up and dance, folks. Most impressive, Jane. Hello there. Come on in, the door is open. Don't need a job or any money Or even a mother or dad We'll just teach you the steps And then you do the rest And you'll be dancing to the whole house rag Maybe you'd like to try drawing Dancing to the whole house rag You can learn hammering and sawing Dancing to the whole house rag there's tree work and sugars in the basement. That's something that I can use bad. So whatever ails you, we'll never fail you. Come, Come and do, do the whole house rag. Could you show me where I can find the whole house book Children's Day Nursery I came for the choir I came cause my mother's working till ten One and all come on in Do you have the time? All the necktie workers will be coming soon I ain't got a dime I hear they serve a hot lunch at noon. I'm a volunteer. I come every day to play clarinet. You ain't seen nothing yet. Circus acrobats and bricklayers too. Come and do the whole house rag. Wealthy ladies having nothing to Come and do the whole house rag Pottery classes And a drama club too We've got something that everyone needs Whether parties or Shakespeare You've got a place here Come and do the whole house rag Come on in, the door is open Dance into the whole house rag Where two dozen languages are spoken You don't need a job or any money Or even a mother or dad We'll just teach you the steps And then you do the rest And you'll be dancing to the whole house rag
I do hope you were dancing to the Hull House Rag, written by Kristen Lems for her play St. Jane and the Wicked Wicks. Again, you're learning about Hull House, Jane Adams, what she was doing there, the incredible amount of vitality that she brought to a neighborhood, transformative for a lot of women, children, any person who was part of there. It's, there were men also transformed. There is one man who appears throughout the play who, in my opinion, was courting St. Jane, wasn't he? <laughs> I don't know. Is this not factual? I mean, I... John Dewey? Yeah. In so many ways, she was a woman that a strong man would not be threatened by. Yeah. John Dewey was very, very influenced by her. And when he set up the University of Chicago Lab School, which was, I think, the first lab school of its kind, he was trying to base it on some of the principles of Hull House. And he was very affected by her. He, I don't know whether he might have put out a, any kind of hint or not, but he did end up marrying somebody else. <laughs> but they stayed dear friends. And there's one very delightful scene in which he uh, probes her to find out about her visit to Tolstoy in Russia and how poorly she was treated by that sexist curmudgeon, Count Leo Tolstoy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the norms of the time. In that passage in the play, I become more and more aware of how, even for someone who's as liberated as Jane Addams was, the norms of the society still hem us in and make us think that you've got to do it this way or else you're just outré. What can we say? Yeah. Well, I think we need one more glimpse from the play before we finish today's Spirit in Action program. Again, folks, the play, St. Jane and the Wicked Wicks website, go via stjaneplay.com. Questions come via nordenspiritradio.org. What last glimpse can you give us of the wonderful world of St. Jane and the Wicked Wicks? Well, this one doesn't have a song, but I thought that your listeners would really enjoy this and it would make you go to the show and listen to it. Because Addie, this is Nellie Wick's mother, the truly wicked Wicks, <laughs> who is trying to pimp her daughter to her boss, comes into Jane Addams' living room when Jane does not expect her and is having a lot of verbal sparring with Jane about Nellie and saying, you know, why aren't you blessing this wonderful union I want her to have? And so I want you to see what kinds of severe conflict went on when people like Addie, who was truly wicked, came in and tried to convince Jane that what was being done to Nellie was okay. So just listen to this, and then I hope it's going to make you want to go and find out what happens next. Here it is, a little excerpt. Scene 8 from St. Jane and the Wicked Wicks by Kristen Lems. Here is the scene between Jane Adams and Addie Wicks. Miss Adams, please. Oh, oh, you startled me. Caught up in listening to them girls singing about you, I see. Oh, they're just practicing for a musical program. It's a song one of the girls wrote. Let's see if you're as good as all that. I'm Mrs. Wicks, and you may call me Adeline. And what may I do for you, Mrs. Wicks? It concerns my daughter Nellie, whom you know her. Yes, we met when your family lived on Halstead Street. I believe it was the night your son Walter was born. Oh, yes, that night. A little commotion, but everything came out fine in the end. Indeed. As I recall, I knitted a sweater for little Walter, and Miss Starr brought it over with a layette. I remember that sweater. 
itchy. Our family line has sensitive skin. It's our English blood. Ah, yes. It certainly wasn't the level to which you are accustomed. Now, what is your business, Mrs. Wicks? To get to the point, you do a lot of favors for Nellie, and being the show-off she is, she likes to brag about it. So I thought it was time I set you straight about her. How so, Mrs. Wicks? When she returned from her frolic as a dirty vaudeville dancer, you do know about that, don't you? She was penniless. The show went bust, and I took her in. Even got her a job at the hotel where I have a position. She met a boiler man, a German fellow, and a few months ago they married. I am aware of that. Well, he's locked up now. Three years for burglary. That ain't no way to start married life. Oh, <laughs> but you wouldn't know anything about that, would you? Well, I found someone for her. A real gentleman. Someone who fancies her. He just happens to be my boss. All she needs to do is accept his attentions. Mrs. Wicks, does Nellie have any say in the matter? Isn't it time her mother had some say? I kept her fed, clothed. She even got her own bed while the boys shared one. She ran off without so much as a goodbye and came crawling back with her dirty dancing days fell apart. She got hitched with that jailbird, and now just as soon as you can spit, she's back again. I want her out once and for all. Lucky for her, I found just the man to make it happen. And what on earth do you want from me, Mrs. Wicks? Make Nell accept the boss's romancing. Once things take their course, she can divorce that German jailbird and marry the boss. He'll set her up good. And her poor old ma, too, by the way, he said so. He's got money, piles of it. And as the Bible says, a rising tide lifteth all boats. Mrs. Wicks, you are trying to sell your daughter to your boss. I'll have no part of it. Nellie is a foolish girl. She laughs too much. She thinks she's a dancer. No end of trouble. Her father and me tried to knock some sense into her, but she's a bad seed. She's damaged goods already. I expect my family to be respectable. And Nellie comes up short. Mrs. Wicks? You must think I do not know what Nellie has endured at your hands, or that I have some partiality toward you as her mother. Such is not the case. Leave the premises immediately. Think you're a real lady, do you now? I know what you are, Miss Jane Adams. You hide behind your shawls and skirts, but you're the one who has fallen outside good society with your Mary Smith hanging on you, you ain't one mite respectable. Respectable is as respectable does, Mrs. Wicks. Now get out before I have you removed. I'm glad to leave. And as for that sweater, Walter puked all over it, and we threw it out. Cheap wool from a cheap lady. There you have it, folks, a scene from St. Jane and the Wicked Wicks about Jane Adams. Addie is Kristen Lem's great-great-grandmother. So this is autobiographical in the way that we all belong to big families. Mm -hmm. 
we've got good eggs and bad eggs. And you haven't traced any uh, genetic links yet to Jane Addams, have you? <laughs> no, <laughs> nobody famous or infamous thus far. <laughs> and folks, we are speaking with Kristen Lems. I had her on about three years ago on my Song of the Soul program, and we're having her here today in the hopes that people will tune into and listen to St. Jane and the Wicked Wicks and that perhaps you have a part to play in advancing this. If just demanding that your local repertory theater take on this musical play. Thank you. I should tell you that we have a full score. It's been notated so that all the parts are already done. Somebody can consider that or purchase it from me along with the play that the script and the score, you can do it. And where were they going to find that score? Is it just via stjaneplay.com? Is it linked on there? It's one of the tabs inside there. It says, like, buy the show. And there's a place that you can purchase it and download it. You, you know, you can write me if you want to consider it. But I, I think once you hear the whole show, you know what it's about. So there's no more mystery to it. It's very clear. And Kristen Lems was sufficiently on her game that she, if you want to write to her, you write to kristenlems at gmail.com. She was had enough foresight to grab that email when it was out there and available because <laughs> most of us have to add some long, inscrutable number. <laughs> so uh, we've heard four songs today. How many songs total are there in the play? Fifteen. So you'll get some of the wonderful music of Kristen Lems when you listen to the full thing. And again, you can listen online, no problem. There's such a fantastic pianist, too, named Tom Cortese, who plays the piano behind all of these just fantastic parts, which really just brilliant stuff. And he even does the links between each scene. He has little mood creation music. Just brilliant. The whole cast is a pro cast. You'll really enjoy them. So have yourself some fun listening to the whole thing. We don't have to wait for Women's History Month to do this. Every day should be Women's History Day. Please grab your piece and share it around. Thank you. Kristen Lems, I've got the links to stjaneplay.com and to her email and so on. Get a hold of her and help make St. Jane and the Wicked Wicks reach more of the world. And let's all learn about how we can be St. Jane in today's world. Thank you so much, Kristen. Thank you, Mark. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. All the links on NordenSpiritRadio.org. We'll see you next week for Spirit in Action. The theme music for this program is Turning of the World, performed by Sarah Thompson. Check out all things Spirit in Action on NordenSpiritRadio.org. Guests, links, stations, and a place for your feedback, suggestions, and support. Thanks for listening. I'm Mark Helpsmeet, and I hope you find deep roots to support you to grow steadily toward the light. This is Spirit in Action. With every voice, with every song, we will move this world along, and our lives will feel the echo.